Come in Omishade. This is Mariah checking in from the North Carolina base to the Black Girls Guide Moon Base. Do you copy? This is Omi. Copy. I'm picking up distress signals from the U.S., the U.K., Puerto Rico, Ghana, Jamaica, from black people of all ages. I don't think they've heard of Black Girls Guide to Surviving Menopause. Patch the transmission through. Copy that. Sending now. think when I think about like media, like Makani was bringing up before, there are no, to me, positive images or like even detailed experiences of the menopausal person mm-hmm. in the media for in the take from. So it just seems this like, again, mysterious. Um, my mom did not seem happy. And so there was like, yeah, this, this understanding that that's all downhill. with my mom and my aunties it was always them doing like this menialist task the smallest thing like they're wiping off a table and now they're like blotting their neck and blotting their face and their brow like oh child is hot I'm like well you ain't you hadn't done anything you're going through the change baby it's just hot you're just hot you can't change it it's just hot and that there's nothing you can do about it. You know, it's just like, like Paris said, just a lot of negative talk around it. It wasn't anything I was looking forward to, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. not really a lot of openness around or conversation about, about it, just like it was this thing that happened. But I didn't really have any information or details. Like, oh my God, they always have the windows down when it's cold. What is this? It seems miserable. She's always hot. She's always staring. I'm like, oh my God, when is this over? Are we all going through menopause? What's happening right now? Something definitely must be done. Is the season three recap ready for transmission? Conglomerating all the data and uploading to the server now. Transmitting in three, two. So when people say necessity is the mother of invention, what to me they're really saying is black women are the mothers of invention because we we have to figure it out. Got to give people what they want in order to give them what they need. So we also learn how to feed our community, whether it's mind, body, or spirit, by sliding in that little bit of sugar, a little bit of honey, or whatever it is inside with the knowledge. And elders are not just people who are older than you. They're just more experienced in a village than you are. They're older spiritually or they're older in that particular thing. And you've got to respect that. And community is so important. And that's why is that no matter what happens and it's the extension of us, even our children, our parents, anything that we're ready to step in. 
This is Omi Shade Bernie Scott, and welcome to our season three recap from our base camp here on the dark side of the moon. As we suit up for season four, we wanted to take a look back at our latest season. While this is our first recap since we landed in 2019, the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause has put out a signal letting people on their menopausal journey know that we are here, that your stories, experience, and expertise around menopause is welcome. We are also very clear that in all the places of the menopausal multiverse where information, data, and stories are shared, it is the first person stories and narratives of Black women, women identified, and gender expansive people that are held here as sacred and centered. We as the tenants and stewards of the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause base camp and podcast believe that menopause is not an ending but a dynamic transformation from one iteration of yourself to another. It is liminal and it requires shape-shifting and a recalibrating of your body's navigational system. The menopause is more than a medical or physical experience and everyone has a story to tell. And that because we live in a space and time where white supremacy, patriarchy, misogyny, homophobia problematizes and pathologizes the lived experiences of Black women, Black bodies, and LGBTQ plus people, we will carve out a space to honor, protect, and amplify those stories and experiences as they navigate aging and menopause. Loading assumptions about menopause. It is adulting and it's important for folk who are trying to figure out where they are in a menopause journey, whether it's perimenopausal, menopausal, or postmenopausal, what's happening to them no matter how old they are. It is critical. There's so much misinformation. And Mm -hmm. like we said earlier that the idea that we are going through this phase and really haven't had the opportunity for our, our mothers didn't necessarily know what it was. They were just going through and they just did what they had to do. But we are clearly a different generation of women, and yeah. we, but why? Also paying attention to the millennial generation and them not being constrained by constructs of gender and their sexual expression. I'm impressed by it. I'm inspired by it. I respect it. And I also feel like that's a really powerful example of how we can take control of that as Gen Xers. In so many ways, this conversation about menopause or women who are experiencing menopause or people who are experiencing menopause, even people who aren't women, you know, so much of it seems like asexual, right? Like, like the, a woman who is menopausal or a person who's menopausal is asexual or is, I don't know, like angry, like all these myths that you, we hear and learn. What is a conversation that you wish you had with your mama, your favorite auntie, nibbling sibling, or friend around menopause? It seems that the conversations that begin around how bodies of people who have uteruses and ovaries change over time stalls out when we reach perimenopause. We are not only reimagining a world where the through line of these conversations is continuous, open, and candid, but are also vulnerable funny and accessible to anyone who wants to listen or participate. 
loading data on myths and misconceptions. Going through the change, yeah. right? I feel like I would hear my grandma and ma talk about it and that it was this like this kind of like this period in your life. Like you get your period and then you go through this thing that like you stop getting your period, but you get a lot of hot flashes. So it felt like a, a change, but it didn't seem positive at all. It seemed kind of more like a decline in your livelihood in your life versus like, you know, you talk about your period as this ripening, this youthful thing, but it was kind of like you are at the decline. So I, it wasn't anything I was looking forward to. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. not really a lot of openness around or conversation about about it, just like it was this thing that happened. But I didn't really have any information or details, you know? Yeah, I think that's, a, that's, that's truthful for a lot of people. Where it's like, oh, snap, once menopause happens, you're going to be a dry, evil person. <laughs> Yes, like yeah, all your all your sweetness and goodness dries up. Rise all the way up. Media tells us that menopause is the end of sexual pleasure. Menopause is the end of sexual activity and desire. And people tend to just take that and just okay and just hold it and sit with it. Whereas people with penises are not having it. we talk about how menopause directly impacts sexual function. And so the, when the hormones change, it kind of changes the texture of the skin of the vulva, which may require more stimulation to reach arousal and possibly orgasm, the changes in wetness, the changes in all of that. But those changes are not mandatory parts of menopause. People have seen matriarchs and folks in their family, quote unquote, be unwell and lose it, whatever that means, right? During the menopause time. And then everybody called them, again, air quotes here, like crazy. Oh, that's auntie so-and-so, you know, she don't, don't talk to her. And they didn't, they maybe didn't address menopause. Like, I just felt like it's like this silent monster in the room sometimes, right? Loading, musings on body betrayal and righteous rage. Dr. Jennifer Mullen of Decolonizing Therapy reminded us that grief and rage are siblings. There is connective tissue between the intense emotions that deserve exploration and a place for healing. The same holds for our relationship to sexual expression and pleasure. The tropes and stereotypes of Black people and sexual expression and pleasure lives in the extremes. Either we are hypersexualized as younger people or we're put out to pasture as older menopausal people. Pleasure is our birthright that we get to claim, reclaim, reimagine as we get older. Some of the unlearning that we get to do is explored on this podcast, as well as the emotions that come from that unlearning that can include rage and grief. I love them. (laughs) I have a love affair with my rage and grief. However, each of us have a tendency to be more partial to one rather than the other. That, that resonates. Like that, Hence why my students and folks will call me the rage doctor, because I'm much more comfortable not just showing my rage, but being in a place of that righteous rage. Absolutely. Right? It feels safer somehow to my body as opposed to the grief that can feel like depression for people. Mm-hmm. But I think that what happens, or I'm pretty clear about what happens, is that 
for some individuals, they're in a place of going within, mm. of protecting themselves, that that grief almost feels embarrassing mm. or like what they are grieving feels like something that others cannot sort of touch. And as we know, and as you mentioned, our society wants us to hurry up and get over it, mm-hmm. right? Wants us to hurry up and just move past it. But grief and rage are essential to each other's process. Mm. Rage is misunderstood and often seen as just acting out, being loud, getting angry. It's actually not anger, right? For me, anger is, like, as I said before, much more about, oh, someone cut me off and I almost hit their car or, you know, my doctor's two hours late for this appointment. Come on, I have a session. I have, you know, but this rage is ancient. Mm. It's old. A lot of individuals will mask their rage with either depression, mm-hmm. unconsciously, mm-hmm. Um, distraction, mm-hmm. defiance, mm-hmm. dominance, which is what we think rage looks like, mm-hmm. devotion. I'm going to devote myself to this cause, to these people, to these students, to this. I, I think I'm missing one. I'm not sure which one I said or not, but <laughs> but yeah, there's these six. There's these six disguises, and these disguises keep us alive. They keep us here. They keep us functioning. Loading data on sex and pleasure. Entry found. Goody Howard. The biggest thing that people come to me about that are over 40 is really around libido. It's around desire. And then it's around like menopause, premenopausal, you know, early menopause and things like that. And how they're like scared of how it's going to impact their pleasure or how it's going to impact, you know, how much sex they can have or all of that. And There is rampant mythology out there that a menopausal body cannot experience pleasure, that people who are menopausal are not interested in or can access deeply pleasurable sexual intimacy. This is wholly untrue. And we took the time to explore with sexologist Goody Howard some of the myths and taboos associated with menopause, aging, and pleasure. Did you know that there are 17 types of orgasms? I didn't either. The biggest thing I think when we talk about, like you said, dried up and all of that, I think that comes from the peer group of millennials because they feel like lube is a commentary on their uh, their sexual prowess, right? Mm-hmm. Lube is a safer sex practice. Mm-hmm. Lube is your friend no matter how old you are. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you are Miss Aquafina, Wapity Wap 2021. <laughs> Lubricant, that shit hit different with the ceiling fan on, okay? Your natural <laughs> wetness is designed to evaporate, sis. So get you some lubricant because it'll create a smoother barrier between you and whoever or whatever you're having sex with. So one of the things that my gynecologist did say to me is like, the the more you have sex, the better the sex is. The more you self-pleasure yourself, the better it is. The more you continue to have orgasms, the lubrication might be not the same that it was when you were a little younger, but you might not have problems. So it's like encouraging to say, no, you can still have a very fulfilling sex life. Things you might make adjustments, mm-hmm. um, but it's not to say that you should expect it to look like the Mojave Desert and to, for real. That there's nothing left for you. I don't believe that. 
honestly, the biggest thing that I've learned about my own sexuality doing this work is that sex, the act of sex, Mm -hmm. is not where I root my pleasure. Mm -hmm. I so much more value the intimacy. And I I, I define intimacy as what happens when you're not having sex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I so much more value the intimacy. Sex is great. and And we have amazing, satisfying sex. However, that's not the part where I'm looking at my partner and hearts are coming out of my eyes. Mm -hmm. I really value the connection that we have. And I know as we age, you know, sex changes, you know, the way it happens, the way it occurs and what it looks like changes, but that's not even the biggest part of my dynamic. Mm -hmm. And and I value that so much. I feel like sex is easy. What else you got? Entry five, Dr. Cindy Duke. Libido doesn't usually decrease. It's either the same or it increases because there is that liberation. And why does mm-hmm. that liberation matter? Well, sexual arousal for people born with ovaries and vaginas and uteri actually is a multi-step process. And part of the arousal is feeling more fearless, more liberated about the act. Mm -hmm. And knowing that you're not going to get pregnant actually brings a certain level of liberation that brings that Mm -hmm. freedom with the arousal. Mm -hmm. It's like you mentioned Omashadi, you're no longer worried about where I am in my cycle. Am I ovulating here? Am I this? Now we still have to talk about sexually transmitted infections and staying safe. Right. But right. Outside of the safety question, there's just so much freedom that arousal also changes and the arousal mm-hmm. path changes. Loading data on shifting bodies, menopause as rediscovery, expansion. How do I become and this is something I'm working on. Best friends with my body. I love the idea of you becoming best friends with your body. I wish that for all of us. Yes. Just having parts of our body that are jiggly bits as we shape shift and change and that that's attractive in and of itself to us. It makes us feel good not to be locked down in latex all day. And how is our relationship with that? Are we okay with that? You know, and and I dare say we should be. And everybody thinks that you have died and gone to heaven if you're 50 and over. But what these motherfuckers don't realize is that getting old is the goal, okay? Dying young is not the fucking goal. I recently shared a fun fact about aging whiskey. The complexity of an aging spirit is more than the recipe or the liquid. It isn't just because they're old, though age makes whiskey taste better. It's the wood from the barrels of scotch or any whiskey that is aged that tends to break down the rougher flavors in the alcohol, leaving you with a smoother taste. The longer the alcohol is in there, the smoother it gets. Energy is neither created or destroyed. It is transmuted or transformed. The transformation of our bodies, knowledge, expression, relationships, and dreams is expansive, not diminishing. And the Black Girl's Guide opens a pathway to the liminality of menopause and honors that transformation and metamorphosis. Loading data on possibilities of menopause. I think menopause can fall under that for many of us where like folks don't realize that there is sort of a we're stepping into something else Mm -hmm. almost like 
your body stepping into this like elderhood energy <laughs> whether or not you feel like one or whatever you know how hippolyta on her journey was able to access taking off a mask choosing herself naming herself claiming her rage yes also claiming great delicious joy yes. right the scenes when she was in France and then the scenes where she was in Dahomey, it was like, we are more than one thing. Women, as you've seen even in the media recently, that grew up just kind of thinking I'm heterosexual and this is just what I do, but kind of just opening the door up to different mm -hmm. experiences because it's like, well, hey, is where that liberation does come into play. And that's what I, I do love to see that when women really embrace that fully. And the interesting thing, as you say this, we have a blended family and my eldest sister is 20 years older than me. And a couple of years ago, right when I was about to turn 50 and she was about to turn 70, I asked her about how she was experiencing pleasure. And she was like, what? Because I, what I asked her specifically in my very little sister way, do you miss being touched? Mm. Because as far as I know, my sister's been single for about 15, 20 years. Touched intimately. She said, by whom? I said, by whomever. And she was like, um, I guess. I just don't really think about it. I said, why don't you think you think about it? She's like, I guess I feel like I'm at a place in my life where that's not something I really think about that often. I said, oh, I want you to think about it. And she was like, why do you want me to think about it? I said, because I, you know... As far as I'm concerned, you still should be experiencing pleasure and intimacy and touch. Right. Um, I also want you to experience that in a way where you feel safe. And she was like, okay. And I love how when you were talking about the conversation that you had with your sister, it was about pleasure and not necessarily sex, but pleasure and intimacy and safety. And those are the that increase in value as we get older. Mm -hmm. The body does change and sex, what sex looks like does change, but that doesn't mean that it stops. It is not a death sentence. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing. It is, it's the beginning and your attitude and your embrace of it is, is everything. If you think you're old and shriveling up and your vagina is turning into a raisin, then that's what it's going to be for you. But if you really embrace this and look at all the opportunities and let go of the veil, let go of the idea that you have to stay wherever you are because you are no longer bound in so many ways. You're so much freer. The beauty I want to see in everybody else, I want to look in the mirror and see it. So it's a, it is a practice. You don't know necessarily when you might enter this journey. No matter how, what age you enter this journey, there's so much that's there. There is care. There is juiciness. There is wonder. And there's like so much more on the other side. I feel like that is the gift that menopause has given me <laughs> is to stop comparing myself. Because I think we all do it maybe in small and big ways to what I should be doing right now. 
right. what my body should be doing. Should I have kids? I should have this. I should have that. Stop shitting on myself, right? <laughs> right? right. And instead, like, drop in because you're so right that that knowing with a capital K mm. will always steer us right when we're in sort of a grounded, safe enough place. Loading data on menopause as transformation rebirth. I said to someone the other day, I think that menopause to me is like when my navigational system in my body got recalibrated and was like, new information, new information. And you're like, oh, oh, it's, you know, it's like when, when a navigational system starts lighting up, it's like a whole yes. light started popping out like one of my boobs or like <laughs> gray hair started going from dark to gray to white. And you're like, what's, wait, what's happening? And your body's like, new message. New message, pay attention. I would say, first and foremost, that you're not alone. And I think so many women feel very alone in this journey and because there's just not a lot of conversation. And you're just not. Begin to broach those questions with your mother, your aunties, your extended family, and your friends, your women friends, because those are our, our tribe is, you know, if you're if you're fortunate enough to have a tribe of women who, you know, care for you and vice versa, then you all can really work together through this new phase and be free, be liberated and know that this is really the beginning. This is the beginning of a whole new chapter. As far as the menopause goes. Embrace that shit, honey. Every hot flash, every headache, embrace it because you could be gone. Season three of the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause reminded us of a few things. Firstly, the menopause journey is broad and deep and the folks navigating it are unique with their own powerful stories to share. When we carve out a space for those stories to be shared, we cannot assume who might be the people. Second jewel from the season three is that you deserve exquisite care as you are navigating menopause. You deserve it from your doctor, your therapist, your partner, your spouse, your children, your friends, your coworkers, and most importantly, from you. The transformation that happens to our bodies and minds and identities during and after menopause is real. But that transformation doesn't have to be unassisted or an isolating experience. We've created this warm menopausal base camp for all souls, and you are welcome here. This is Omishade Bernie Scott from the base camp on the dark side of the moon. We will see you in season four, over and out. Mm-hmm.